previously on System Mastery. You two! My office now! If we don't stop Falcone tonight, then the smuggling will never stop. These ligature marks indicate the victim was strangled before she fell. I'm leaving you, Muldoon, and I'm taking the baby! And now, the thrilling conclusion. Welcome back to System Mastery. This is uh, week two of our discussion of Cinnabar. Woo, Cinnabar! The world of Cinnabar. The multi-single book system. Yep, just one book for all of your batshit loco needs. I'm uh, I'm Jeff, and John is here with me as always. Hello, how are you? Hey, I'm doing so good. Are you going to be real happy to never think about this book again after this? I'm so excited to be done with this. I don't think you understand. I don't think you'll ever be able to not think about it again. It haunts my dreams. Yeah, you're going to wake up at night in a cold sweat, thinking about tree lots. Uh-huh. Ah! <laughs> wake up in my wear bed, my wear sheets. <laughs> well, I mean, Cold wear sweat. These sheets weren't wet when I went to bed. They must be wear sheets. <laughs> uh, okay, so last time we left off uh, talking about the various continents and shenanigans that make up Cinnabar. Yes, we were talking about the amazing geography of the planet. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, we we left off with the dark continent, talking about how you can't do dick there, and it's terrible, and why would you go there? That seems kind of racist to say that. I know. The dark, I mean, what, Joseph Conrad did shit there. <laughs> Fitzcarraldo was filmed there. <laughs> Fitzcarraldo? Really? That's what you're going to go with? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, in addition to the Dark Continent, where everything sucks and the points don't matter, you have the Enchanted Continent, where everything's nice, and all of your actual adventures will take place. Yeah, Live Emotion plays every Sunday. Hell it's, yeah. It's a great continent. It is really a utopia when you get right down to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The schools are nice. Yeah. Yeah, it stays, it stays light out later. Yeah, it stays light. Yeah, yeah, police driving down your neighborhood just wave and oh, yes. pass on by. As long as you're supposed to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, it's a nice place. Girl Scout cookies sold everywhere. Yeah, the the two main cities that actually matter are going to be on the Enchanted Continent. Uh, there's Terra City. And then uh, Emerald Downs. Oh, that's right. Emerald Downs Syndrome. The, yes. the, the awesome, wonderful place. Yes, that wonderful place. Uh, so, yeah. I, I like that the Enchanted Continent... There's write-ups for all of them, but the one for the Enchanted Continent is just like three paragraphs. Like, everything's nice here. No one cares. Go. Yeah, it's fun. Until you actually... Flip, like, one more page into the book, at which point it goes bonkers, makes shenanigans, and gives you, like, the stats for every single city block and shop. Oh, yeah, it is just, did you want to know what is on any given street anywhere in this city? Here is every business that exists. It used to be, there. this used to be a bigger market. You could buy books for D&D, and, and actually a couple for Palladium as well that were just that. They were just, like, uh, especially for Palladium Fantasy, the old, the, their D&D clone, where you could buy, like... This book that was just, okay, here's a city. What's in the city? Well, here's a detailed map, and here's all the sit- the stores, and here's what they charge for bread. Oh, yeah. There, there, I don't know why there was this big need for, here's our, like, 
city grid. This is what the layout is. This is where every store is, what each one is called, what you find there. And yet, the best thing about that is there almost never was a residential area. It was always like, here's like the shops. city, and it's just all all shops. Yeah, there's there's a shop section, a smith section, a government section, a big, big, big-ass graveyard. There's always, always like one-fifth of all these cities, like, whether it's Baldur's Gate or whatever it is, it's like, it's like one-fifth graveyard because that's where the adventures are. Oh, yeah. Well, you have one giant church so you can go to get someone rezzed if you aren't high enough level. And then a big fuck-off graveyard so that undead can attack you. Yes. So, in addition to that, we also have the Forbidden Continent. And I'm just I'm just going to straight up read from the Forbidden Continent because it is one of my favorite things in this book. I am going to allow this. Okay. The most unusual thing about the Forbidden Continent is an ancient legend about the tallest mountain called Ware Mountain. From this majestic peak... What's on the Forbidden Continent? ...radiate great invisible nullifying werewinds. Well, they're on the uh, the great big peak. <laughs> it said an alchemist hollowed out the inside of Ware Mountain and made a great laboratory. However, evil earth lots attacked the alchemist in vast numbers, trying to break through the mountain shields for the whole of Dark Month. Led as they were by an evil Trent lot. The siege continued until the werewinds came. From whence I know not. <laughs> so we have uh, we have a wear mountain with wear winds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, populated by wear men, mm-hmm. and why? <laughs> and attacked by lots. Yep, I love everything about that. Everything about it is wonderful. I okay. So the dark continent is the one that you just can't go to. Like if you go there, no, monsters will destroy you. No, that's the uh, yeah. The dark continent is that the forbidden continent is just. Stupid bullshit. There's winds that will wreck your shit, and then a giant iron wall. That's so. I, I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. The giant, the giant wall. So somewhere on the continent, or I guess it's on the Forbidden Continent, is a giant area that is completely walled off. Yep. And the the wall goes all the way out of the atmosphere, and so you can't get over it. Even even if you have the capacity to go over the atmosphere, you still can't breach this wall for some reason. Yeah. There's it's super tall, and then above the wall is some energy shield that you can't get through. Right. So, there's a giant wall, there's only one regular-sized door in the entirety of the wall, and the wall's like a third of the continent, uh, and that that uh, big door, that one single door to, to this place beyond the wall, no one knows what's back there at all, anywhere. There's no. not even legends of what's beyond the wall. Uh, the only door is guarded by tree demons, which, again, aren't really demons in this game, they're like, <laughs> they're kind of like Ewoks. Yeah, and every year during Dark Month, which is a fucking time, and it's just one word, Dark Month. Well, it's got to be real popular on the Dark Continent, but this isn't the Dark Continent, so it's probably they, they, it's probably a hallmark Dark Month for these guys. Yeah, so the, the tree demons keep the door to this secret, and they perform horrible rituals to keep the door hidden with enchantments, and it says, No tree demon has ever been forced to speak of the door, for their legend says, He who leads the uninformed to the door shall die forever in the lake of boiling mud. <laughs> That's right. There's got to be some tree demon that doesn't give a shit, right? Like, there's got to be an atheist tree yeah, demon. There's going to be one like, who's like, oh, that's eh, shit. I observe, but I don't really believe any of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I attend Dark Month pretty much just because I like the latkes. <laughs> My family goes, and you know, it's good to spend time with them during the holidays. You sacrifice a baby, you do some chants. It's the only time I ever really see my cousins. <laughs> but you know, I, I think that whole lake of boiling mud thing is really more of an allegory. Yeah, I mean, really, I think when you get right down to it, the lake of boiling mud is, it's everyday life, come on. Right. Plus, I mean, come on, who wants to be a tree demon that can't be gay? Like, <laughs> like it's just weird to me. That what, what, what tree demon god 
would would disallow that and then create me in the way I am. That's it's just strange to me. So anyway, I guess I could tell you where the door is. I mean, if you even care. You know, there's, you know, there's we, nothing back there. You know what we even have? It's mostly gardening equipment. <laughs> the whole thing is basically old silverware. It's bits of string, used up batteries, half inflated light up dark month decorations. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you got to get those dark month de- decorations. And then the neighbors are all like, "Do you see?" It's it's light month, and he's still got his dark month decorations up. How gauche. <laughs> Someone doesn't understand the true meaning of dark month. Oh, man. Well, you better not wear white after dark month. <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, that's so, the story so, yeah. of the giant wall that's there and, and is guarded by tree demons who did not make the wall. Yeah. Uh, so, no one knows what the hell. Meh. Uh, it's got a desert that doesn't matter and a bunch of other crap. There's also some giant mushrooms. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, probably. <laughs> oh, look, right there, there's the mushroom spires. Yeah, but that's just, you know, spires of mushroom-shaped <laughs> islands. Oh, I'm sorry, they're mushroom-shaped islands and not actually mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's easy to make that mistake. It does say mushroom. Yeah. I mean, the dark continent is dark, I assume. Wait, actually, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm going I'm to... Sure, why not? What's dark, even, really? When you get down to it. When you get down to it, isn't that really just a state of mind? Yeah. Yeah. Especially during Dark Month. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I'll be home for Dark Month. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So, um, and then it goes on to tell us about the oceans, which... There's one nice ocean and one shit ocean. That's yeah, it. There you go. There's the Sapphire Deep, which is nice and calm, and then there's God's Teeth, which will fuck your shit. It's the same on Earth, really. I mean, once yeah, you get obviously. Right to, the, the Atlantic is just terrible. <laughs> you know how the Atlantic keeps just, like, rising up and destroying all ships that go across it? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Totally. I know about boating. <laughs> so. But I think we can both agree that the Atlantic is just kind of a crap ocean by comparison. I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's the same as on Earth. So you've got all of this. You've got three continents that are actual continents, an Arctic and an Antarctic. you got a bunch of little islands and things. And you'd think that would be enough for you to adventure in. But no. Then there's the entire inside of Cinnabar, which is basically a whole other planet. Yes, to recap, Cinnabar is a hollowed-out, somewhat inflated Mars that is then covered with water that was made out of Mars. So there is an interior to it, and originally that's where everyone lived. 50,000 years ago when the great voyage across the stars for Cinnabar began. But then a giant reactor exploded in there or something and killed almost everyone in there, and now it's it's a crazy magic equatory looking place. Yeah, and the weirdest thing to me is... So the, the continents in the overworld are just sort of... Three land masses right next to each other, and then a land mass on top and on bottom for your Arctic and Antarctic. Yeah, and they're all like the same size. It's a really, it, the, the planet must look really weird when it's actually stretched into a sphere. Yeah. Because this is all Mercator projection, but in a Mercator projection, it's three near identical rectangles lined up with two little dots above and below for the Arctic and Antarctic, but as a planet, it would look mostly empty. Yeah, it's just a lot of water in there. Yeah. And in the center of the world is basically just a line of like, it's, it's a like, spiny looking thing. It looks yeah. like, it looks like the spine of the world with, actually, it really does look like a spine. Cause if you think, if you look at it, you got a big line going up the middle. Then you got what looks like a hip bone island coming off the bottom part of it. And then some, uh, some, some shoulder scapulas. blades. Yeah, some scapula islands up on the top there. 
It really looks like there's a lot more water in there, so there's a lot of water on Cinnabar. Yeah, there's two more oceans, a couple seas. A couple of deeps. You know, yeah, you couple, know. A couple of shoals. Some some mouths. Yeah, you, you name it, you got it, it's in there. Yeah. A couple of triangles, both Bermuda and otherwise. <laughs> so, uh... There's just a bunch of crap that you already had in the overworld, just in different places here. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing to me after I finished reading through the inner world section, was I was thinking, okay, one of these two worlds, the inner or the outer world, is going to be the high-level world. No. Like, you're going to have one that's that's deadly serious and scary, and the other one that's not as bad. But really, they're very similar. Oh yeah, it's it's essentially the same thing, it's just a slightly different layout, a couple different areas... And getting into the center of the world just requires you to go through a bunch of crap. Yeah, so there's a lot. It's 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 not like there's just a hole that falls through. I mean, it starts that way. Oh, no, and then there's just, like, a giant tunnel, which leads into a huge staircase thing, and then you go down these stairs, and there's invisible energy barriers that stop magic and teleportation and everything from working, and then you go through that, and there's another big tunnel, and you're like, Why? Oh, all right. Why did he build all that stuff? Like, I'm, I'm speaking here of Aridius, God of Hope and Command. Well, I or think his you're actually avatar speaking thereof. of Space Jesus. Thank you. Um, okay, fine. Space Jesus, the avatar of Aridius, God of Hope and Command, built this planet so that humans could treat it as a paradise, and then he filled it with a bunch of magical mazes and traps so that they would constantly die while trying to enjoy it. He made sure to make, make it so that one of the continents is especially conducive to monsters, but sucks if you go there as anyone else, because he's a big dick. Yeah, I, and also... You have this entire storyline of, alright, uh, he made this planet need all this, and then the reactor explodes in the middle of the planet, and it kills almost everyone except for the ones that can escape out through the butthole into the outer world. Yes, the, the, the poop survivors. Yeah, the poop survivors end up getting out, all 1,500 of them. But then when it talks about, like, oh, what's the inside of the planet like? Oh, there's also drakes and other crap and things, and it's mostly just regular stuff, and you're like, but why? The entire inside should be so completely irradiated, and no one went back down there. Uh, why is there even anything in there? And I, if there is, why isn't it just horrible mutants? It, I, I obsessively read the timeline at the beginning of this book, and one of the things I noticed was that they kept moving in and out of the center of the Earth as various horrible disasters occurred in their space travel. Like, they'd be like, and then everyone retreated inside the planet and lived there for a while, and most of them died, and then a few came out, and then they spread into a huge civilization, and then there was a war between them, and then then everyone from the outside went in, and then inside went out, and, and so on and so forth. It, it's, uh, it, it, you'd think that they would have settled it, but, I mean, the, the uh, reactor explosion's not that big of a deal. It's been floating around in space for 50,000 years, which, okay, you know what? I didn't bring it up until now, but Space Jesus makes fucking a planet, and he's like, great, we're gonna shoot you through space towards something else, but there is no magical reason that they are alive because there's no sun that orbits it that's their own sun while it was traveling towards Shalom. There's there's nothing on the inside giving it a good amount of gravity. There's nothing fucking God cock-sucking... No! Why is anyone alive here? Oh, well, actually, there is a magical reason that kept them alive as they flew through space. You're just forgetting about it because it's stupid. <laughs> it was the were storm. Oh, fuck the wear storm. That's actually what kept everyone alive on the outside of the planet, is the wear storm, a black energy barrier that apparently lit up like the sun and allowed plants to grow, but also stopped meteors from coming through. Also made the planet invisible so that aliens wouldn't invade it until they got to Shalom. Even though it's still there, the aliens now know about it and can come on in. Uh, it, 
And the reactor was supposed to power a sun in the center of the Earth. Well, yeah, there's still a little sun in the middle, which I'm okay if people were living in the middle of it, because then you can just treat the planet as a spaceship. Yeah, it'd be a Dyson Sphere, is what what you call that, which is a planet that's built around a small sun. And Uh, that's fine. But the outside world, I'm like, but you don't... There's nothing there. God damn it. Well, now there is. Now there's Shalom. Everything's fine. Ah. Oh, Shalom. Also, there's a weird bit where it shows the the solar system around Shalom, and uh, Cinnabar is, like, real tiny. Like, it's moon size compared to the other planets that are around there in that solar system. It's super weird. Well, that's not too surprising. I mean, unless those planets are mass plant. Like, if they're not gas giants... Well, no, you can actually go to them. Oh, okay, you can yeah, go. They... No, that's dumb, then. Because, because Cinnabar is supposed to be twice the size of Mars, which means it's already pretty much pushing the limit for how big a matter planet would be. And then it says, like, yeah, if you want to go to these neighboring planets, there's, I don't know, some ice demons there and some random crap, and it's an actual planet, and you can do stuff. Yay! I'll, you know what, though? Let's let's talk about this game's amazing grasp of physics, because <laughs> because we had some fun discussing a... We, as, as we finally transition out of geography here, I really want to talk about the throwing damage table, or the throwing stuff table. Oh, yeah, just... Getting into the actual game mechanics of mm-hmm. this. Yeah. But before we get into, you know, straight up how to hit someone with a sword or whatever, I want to talk about this throwing things table. So, strength in this game. You roll a d20 for your strength. And maybe you get to roll another d20 and take the higher of those two results or whatever. Uh, or maybe you ask uh, during one of your many spells to increase your strength somehow, or you train for it or whatever. There's a couple ways to increase your stats. Strength, you roll a d20 to start, but it tops out at 1,500. Yep. Because a lot of things give you enormous bonuses to your strength. Basically, all of the uh, the alternate like special races give a ridiculously high amount, and even some of the normal ones are just like, "What are you? Uh, if you're a biosynthesis cyborg, get an extra couple of hundred strength." Right. Okay. Now, if you want to throw something, it doesn't just give you a calculation based on your strength. Be like, okay, uh, it does 1d6 if your strength is less than 100. It does 2d6 if, you, well, of course, I, I'm giving it D and D damage numbers, but really it'd be 1d4 or 1,000 to 4,000 damage or 10,000 to 40,000 damage and so on. Uh, in this case, they actually ask you to work out a math problem. It's one of the, it's one of the notes. Yeah. Um, they actually ask you to work out a little math problem to see how fast and how hard you can throw a thing. So we worked it out that a giant who is th- who uh, has a strength of 1,500, throwing an object that weighs 1% of his strength lift max lift, which is 70,000 pounds. Yep. So a giant throwing a 70,000-pound thing will throw it at approximately 3.6 million miles an hour. Yeah, they're about. And it will fly for an astonishing 263 miles. Yeah. Which we- it will do in a fraction of a second. Yeah, it will just sort of immediately get there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, almost instant. It's a fraction of. It's a reasonable fraction of the speed of light. Yeah, it is not unreasonable. It's reaching relativistic speeds. Mm-hmm. It will actually slightly bend space and time, and it'll arrive there slightly after, slightly before it was thrown. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's awesome. So that's just a thing you can do. You want to throw things ex- insanely fast? Go for it. You can throw things at a ludicrous speed. Faster than anything humans can generate. But uh, don't worry about how far you can throw it, because you can't get it into orbit or anything. You can throw it 263 miles, because the calculation for how far you can throw something is done in feet. And it's uh, the max lift times 2 minus the weight percentage of the item. or so. It's it's all it's algebra. It's a, it's a oh, shitload yeah. of algebra. It's all percentage stuff. It's all you take this, multiply it by two times 2, and then 
uh, subtract the percentage of your total weight minus the maximum weight, and you're like, okay, great. I have to do a full math problem to get to how far I can throw a rock. It does mean, though, if you have enough really strong dudes that you could basically set up an instantaneous uh, transit system across the planet for, uh, for you know, information and, and very sturdy materials, because you could just have giants throw them to other giants. Well, yeah, because there is no... There's no system in place for... A thrown item taking damage after you throw it. Yeah. Which means if you don't hit something, that if you just go, all right, we've got a tunnel that's like 263 miles, one giant is on the end of it, and he just throws something and it instantaneously arrives there, and then the next giant throws it down in another 263 miles and it instantaneously arrives there, it won't be damaged in any way. Nope. Which means you pretty much have a giant powered version of the internet. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, yeah. just giants. It's, the, it's slightly slower than the internet because it's only 3 million miles an hour and not 620 or whatever, 620 million miles an hour or whatever the speed of light yeah, is. Yeah, but this one is actually a series of tubes, so it does have that going <laughs> got, for it. It's kind of like an old dial-up internet connection, <laughs> but powered by by giants throwing rocks very yeah. fast. <laughs> so, so, you know, you want to see a picture of uh, Captain Janeway naked, and then you just get the top half of her head shows up, and then a giant <laughs> throws the bottom half of her head. <laughs> How come all porn on this planet is carved onto 70,000-pound boulders? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, so that's the thing. We, we, we had some fun working out the details of how fast and how hard you can throw a thing. And it does do damage based on that. There's a whole calculation that I am not going to get into about the uh, speed of an object and the impact of it to the thing that you're throwing it at. And it comes up a lot because players are supposed to be swatting monsters and being swatted by monsters across the planet as if this was goddamn Dragon Ball. Yeah, no, there's... Because the strength stat is literally the only stat that goes up this high... Yeah. They had to make a whole bunch of random weird rules for it. Because normally as a character you're like, Oh man, I'm super awesome, I have like a plus 5 to agility. And someone else is like, I have plus 700 to strength. You're like, oh okay, what does that mean? I hit harder. But even then it doesn't matter because the amount of damage I'm doing is... Probably about as much as your gun does. Or way less, because you can't buy your way into a super punch. No. Like, at first level, you can go ahead and just buy a ridiculous dumb gun if you manage to roll awesome money, but you can't be like, oh, I rolled awesome strength, because even then, as a human, the most you're going to get is like, I think, 400 or 500 or something. And if you roll, if you end up taking one of the really cool advanced monster classes that get the super strength, then even that, it, you can't really roll a high strength. You get like plus 700. And then you add between 1 and 20. Yeah. So you're like, oh, yeah, I got 714 strength. Woo! That made a difference. Yeah, that's totally in this calculation. Okay, so we've made it through about an hour and 20 minutes of talking about this book, and we have yet to discuss how to play the game. Yeah, no. Uh, it... Don't? Uh, all right, done. <laughs> <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> Read the book, for sure. Absolutely read this book. 100%. Everyone listening right now should go find a copy of this book. Read it. Note that this book is like 70 goddamn dollars, so uh, so borrow a copy. Yeah, find someone that has this book and kill them. <laughs> take it. Take, take it as your own. You keep what you kill. It is your birthright. <laughs> you have a manifest destiny to figure out what the fuck is going on on Cinnabar. Okay, so to hit something in the game of Cinnabar, it's all percentage tables. Yep. Oh, look at that. You have it open for me. To hit something... Oh, this is this is awesome. It, 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 the, here's the section that we want to start with. 
combat sequence is as follows. It's a, it's a seven-step process yeah, to see if very you... simple seven-step process to see if you manage to hit someone. Yeah, I'm going to read this just verbatim so we can we can try and parse the individual bits. Number one, advantage and state attack or action. Now, that yeah. actually means state attack, as in is in it indicate what you are going to do. It's not like a state-based effect or something. It's... Yeah, you're not hitting someone with California. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually state what you're up to. And then advantage is basically the initiative of the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, advantage is mostly not going to be an issue for most things because you've already determined your number of attacks and the number of attacks you have determine on the, like... The phases the, that you get to the, attack yeah, on. Yeah, the various phases you'll say, well, if you have two attacks, you attack on this phase and this phase. Yeah. So if you have advantage, you can kind of muck with stuff, I but think, not a lot. I'm not 100% sure, but I think there are six phases in each combat round that you can attack during, and a phase lasts three... Se- or a, a, uh, a combat round lasts three seconds. Yeah, so you can attack six times in three seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the game has... It, the combat is over very fast, uh, speaking in-game terms. Speaking in player terms, it will never end. No. Because we're still on section one of, of uh, combat resolution. Section two is your shot roll. This is just your chance to hit... Everything's a, everything's a percentage table. Uh, it, it gives you some interesting statistics, like trying to hit a, a, a normal person trying to punch another normal person has about a 30 to 40% chance of successfully punching them. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. But those those numbers change with all of your stats and skills and whatever. And, and depending can, on what you're attacking with and yeah. if you have a skill for it. And but again, it's, it's a percentage roll, and it does have some additional effects to it. If you roll a, under a 5, you automatically miss no matter what. If you're rolling 94 through a 99... The attack can be dodged but not blocked. If you roll a 100, the attack cannot be dodged or blocked. Those are raw numbers because there's a lot of bonuses that can push you up above that. Yeah, so both of, well, I mean, both of them are raw numbers because you could get a penalty that made you just absolutely go to, like, negatives for your attack roll. Yes. But they have the standard crit success, crit fail, mm-hmm. and it's even basically the same percentage of crit success, crit fail as if you were doing a d20 with a little more granularity in the twenty roll, yeah, yeah, and then uh, you can get you can roll way above a one hundred with your stats. So you hit double damage if you go above one hundred and fifty, and you hit triple damage if you go above one hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, so you can get ridiculous amounts of splat damage, which we've already covered in the first. That the damage in here can even just standard damage completely destroy a dude if he doesn't have protection. But and if he has protection, still... it can do nothing. Yeah, you are. There's there's just the fine line of am I using a weapon that specifically goes one or at your tenths? Yeah. And if I'm not, then I don't care the, one way or the other. There's a lesson here, which is to use protection. Yes, everyone, please make sure you've got your tents. It's yeah. dangerous out there. Yeah. Bring your tents for when you pop that tent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure your duck is rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, now for uh, se- section three. Victim's response. Ah! Oh, shit! <laughs> okay. The actual victim's response goes victim's response, e.g. dodge. Which I don't know why they didn't just say dodge. Or block. You know, yeah. defense. Those are, those are the two. Uh, although, actually, there is another one. You can you can sacrifice your chance at dodging or blocking in exchange for making an attack roll. It's called, like, a sacrificial strike or whatever. Oh, yeah. So that you, can, you can do that where you can try and be like, no, fuck me, fuck you, and punch them back. As long as you have not dodged recently or blocked recently. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting sort of gambit in that you're like, well, if I hit you before you hit me, I can stop the attack. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, 
You can only do these dodges or blocks if you have not done anything on the previous phase that would preclude you from dodging or blocking. It's it's uh it's pretty baroque. You have to you have to know a lot of stuff to get this to work. Okay, number four. Determine attack results if dodge is unsuccessful. Okay, that, that one's easy enough. No big yeah. deal there. We so go. right, I mean, up until this point, you've basically had your standard. I attack, you defend, then we figure out if. I actually do anything. Yeah. Great. That's Great. normal. No problem. Number five, fate roll if unsuccessful dodge. Wait, hold on. Did we just roll to see if anything happens to you? Well, here, do it again. Yeah. F- fate roll. Fate roll is just the random uh, chance that nothing happens to you. It's the random, oh, well, I actually uh, tripped and fell at the time that you shot me, and it hit uh, above my head because I had tripped, or a beam fell and got in the way, or whatever. It's just maybe something in the environment changed it so that you didn't get killed. And, I mean, other systems have, like, fate points. Or things like that where you're like, oh, I didn't actually want to get hit, I'll spend a fate point. But in this, it is literally every single attack that gets past your defense, you can roll fate against. Yep. And then uh, your fate roll is determined by a variety of factors. Mostly, what type of attack is hitting you. So, for example, a regular gunshot, you you will roll your regular fate against it. Your regular base fate is 10%, but it's affected by your skills, your religion, your race, all that kind of stuff. The maximum for a mortal mortal of any kind is 55%. Keep yeah. that in mind. That's that's a pretty high maximum for this this get-out-of-jail-free card. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... I mean, at that point, you're basically like a fucking mutant. Because you're like, what do you have? Luck powers? 55% of the time, shit that gets around my dodge just doesn't? Okay, so that's that's round two of your defense tree. Your first defense is just a regular dodge. Your second defense is this fate roll thing. Okay, number six on the chart. Heroic attempts. This is other peoples who are acting on the same... I'm going to go ahead and call it initiative step, even though it's not called that. It's called, like, gambit or something. Um, This is their chance to shove you out of the way of the blast or something. Yeah, so they can do the, like, the heroic bodyguard leap in front of the bullet or push you out of the way or whatever. So there's there's your third step in the defense chain. This one is optional. Well, yeah, someone else had to have been, like... I want to try and defend you. I'll give up my ability to do stuff in order to save you. Right. I always find it funny in these books when they put optional behind something. Because isn't everything... I mean, the whole book's just suggestions. You can, well, I mean, yeah. You can do whatever you want. This is life. Live it. Well, yeah. I mean, technically, the attack roll is optional. I could just sit there and look at you. Yeah. Whole thing. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's three t- tries you have to get out of jail free. And then, uh, finally, step seven is the god roll. Yep. This is your chance that god reaches down and saves you from the bullet. (laughs) Yeah, this is the chance that after you were too slow to dodge, and then nothing in the environment got in the way, and then your buddies just told you to go fuck yourself, god might go, ah, come on, man. Yeah, there's a chance for your specific god to come down and save you. This one is basically a percentage number equivalent to your piety, which is one of your various stats in the game. Which is, or, I guess, why we never see an atheist uh, tree demon. Oh, yeah. Because they really want that god roll. Yeah, well, that guy, uh, apparently our, our, our previous tree demon friend just doesn't get in a lot of fights. <laughs> why would you? Uh, no, he had enough of that in middle school. Yeah, he, settled, you. He, he got out of town as soon as possible, settled down in a nice place in the new district of the Enchanted Continent. There's a lot of coffee shops there. Yeah, it's been really highly gentrified. Pretty much. All the used bookstores are closing down. It's making him sad, but on the other hand, he's safe at night. (laughs) So, Uh, anyway, God Roll is basically like up to about a 10% chance that God will be like, you know what, I've got you, no problem. Hey, you know what, Divine Intervention, no. 
up to about a 10% chance, which is not hard to get to. You just need to be pious for a couple of levels. So that means that everyone's got about a 10% chance to just uh, have their god save them. And you think, okay, divine intervention. Was it like a one-time affair? Like, that this attack will kill you. And, and your god's like, no, no, you have a greater destiny. So just this once, I'm going to save your butt. Uh, no. You roll this on everything. Yeah, no, it isn't just like, all right, once per game or once per story or whatever, you can try and make a god roll if it's really important. It's just, yeah, you know, your god's always just sitting around with his thumb up his ass going, hey, you need me for anything? I'm up here, okay? He's got about a 90% chance of keeping his thumb in his butt, because let's face it, that's a nice place for a thumb. Yeah. And and uh, about a 10% chance of going, all right, and popping it out of there. Oh, yeah, no. Stanley Tucci does not take his thumb out of his butt unless that ninja is in dire need. This is a callback to the previous episode <laughs> where we determined that Stanley Tucci is the god of Cinnabar ninjas. <laughs> Obviously. Of course. I don't even need the book to hint at it. I was already thinking it before I read the book. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so advantage is your initiative, and then there's all these things. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about. When you're rolling advantage, you roll a uh, D20. No, it's a D10. Use a D10 for an advantage, and you roll your, your advantage bonus, which is based on a variety of factors, but can be half scores. So your bonus to advantage can be things like plus four and a half. Yep, because... Various stats will give you, like, what is this? I've got a 19 in agility, so I get a one and a half to that. Yeah, instead okay. of instead of just making it a two and having you roll a d20. Yeah. No, it's 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 a d10 and one and a half for your advantage bonus. Wee. If two people get the same advantage, it's not a tie. Don't call it a tie. It's a bulk. Don't, don't call it a tie. It's been here for years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's called a bulk. A bulk is a tie score that occurs on an advantage roll. Yeah, and then she's got a really big mouth, and she's awesomely creepy, and... yeah. Oh, okay, we're talking about a Feruza. Yeah, once you get a Feruza bulk in-game. Yeah, yeah, that's... How many deep-cut jokes are we able to make about a Feruza bulk? I mean, get that uh, American History X audience listening in. Remember uh, the water boy? Hey, oh, come yeah. come on now, Return to Oz? Return to Oz was pretty solid. Let's be... That was a nightmare movie <laughs> for kids of a certain age. Ah, uh, gentlemen of a discerning color. Hmm. Oh, the craft. There we go. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, why that. she's a witch. That's Yeah, that's why you know that she's a witch and she has the big mouth. And, yeah. and also that she wishes she had a smaller butt. Which is yeah. weird, because she was like a talking Lego. She was like a Duplo rectangle in that movie. <laughs> so <laughs> so her need to have a bigger or smaller butt was immaterial. Oh, well. Much like her butt. Much like her butt. Yeah. Yeah, so okay, there you so go. That's for who's a bulk. Uh, it, okay, if you bulk... If you bulk... Then you you roll to see if you balk again. You can balk up to three times, and if after three times you just keep balking, then it's a simultaneous action. Because yeah. once you once you've balked up enough and that you can't even reach your dick, you're gonna have to try and do something else. Can't get out of this phone booth. I'm so balked. <laughs> oh man, that's that is good. <laughs> so after you've balked, okay. After you've balked, then you have a bunch of uh, shot rolls and whatever. We already just talked about this. Yeah. This is this is boring. It, this is the this is the way the game is played. Just about all the rolls you make in the game are percentage based with a bunch of bonuses and penalties to see whether or not you hit. So the and just to uh clarify on the defense, your dodge slash block block is you rolling nothing based on their hit unless they manage to get that crit that you can't like dodge or block or whatever. So if you manage to get a really high dodge percentage yourself, uh, I think there are some classes that can get up to in like the 75% or so. 
then it means three-fourths of the time you don't get hit, and then half the time you don't get hit, and then someone else does something and half the time you won't get hit, and then 10% of the time you won't get hit after that. Woo! Which is fine. Oh, and then if you do get hit, you got a bunch of tenths of protection, nothing happens. Oh, yeah. So, it... It's just... I don't understand how long combat would actually be, since we haven't bothered to try and roll up a combat in this. This reminds me a lot of the kind of ends of editions of forty K of Warhammer 40k. When you get to the point where there's enough books have come out that they keep adding defensive junk to the game, and you hit that point where everyone's got six layers of powerful defenses, so... You're like, oh, I'm going to send my Eldar dudes into your Orc dudes, and they're going to roll some dice and do nothing, and then you'll roll some dice and do nothing. And it's just going to go on like that. It's so fun, right? <laughs> well, yeah. At that point, you just have to go, what do I have that ignores this? Yeah. And in this game, that is magic. Well, in this game, it is magic and giant explosions. Yes. So, missiles and magic. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, speaking of magic, is the game spell system. Yeah. There's a variety of different types of spells you can cast. There's there's uh, mage warrior spells. There's uh, gold, uh, golden or sorry mage tiger spells. There's pure psionics. There's earth power. There's shaman magic. Yeah. There's alchemy. So there's a lot of different types of spells you can get to, but shaman magic is definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> shaman magic is basically Indian name magic. Oh yeah, it it's, is straight up like I'm casting the spell. Two running dogs converge. Yeah, or war club. Yeah, or peace, pipe. Yeah, that's that's what you get out of shaman magic. Because shamans in this game are Native Americans. Like, they're just plain Native Americans that somehow survived the 50,000 years in the Cataclysm and Which, so on. I mean, because you can learn to be a dwarf even if you're not a dwarf, you can learn to be a shaman even if you're not a Native American, but there is an entire fucking, like, tribe of them out there. Yeah, so... It's kind of fun that that exists. But here's the funny thing about it. Spells in this game, because the book doesn't have room to print levels of spells for everything, have they have 1st, 5th, 10th, 15th, and then eventually just 30th, 40th, and 50th. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, shaman spells, they don't bother giving you 40th or 50th level spells. They just tell you to go look at the mage warrior list and pick some of those. Which means that up until 30th level, you're casting all these spells and things like create TP. <laughs> yes, wigwam target opponent. Yeah. Uh, in case monster in papoose. <laughs> Make uh, wob wob noise with your hand and mouth. <laughs> and then you hit level 30 and you get to go get things like Force Bolt. Yeah. And then it's just generic mage spells at level 40 and 50. Yeah. You hit a point where all of a sudden your spells are just called things like Prismatic Barrier instead of like Rainbow Wall Across Great River of Sky. <laughs> yeah. So eventually you can just... Stop being horribly racist and just be generic fantasy. So, yeah. you so, know, you got that to look forward to. Keep reaching for that rainbow across the great river of sky, sh- shamans. You you keep <laughs> dreaming that dream. <laughs> okay, and then there are... Uh, th- this is an interesting thing about the magic, is that there the magic is wildly variable. Some of it will just fuck your face and kill you, and some of it is useless and harmless. And it's not even a matter of, like... Certain spell types or anything like that, it just varies wildly across what you're casting. Even if you're casting the same spell as two different people, like there's a ball lightning spell that does a hundred to a thousand damage in one casting, and then a thousand to ten thousand damage for someone else, and they're both level one spells. Yeah, someone's just ten times better at casting it. Yeah. It's just, oh, were you an earth magic guy casting this instead of a regular magic guy? Great, you're awesome. Okay, is there any reason for that? No. Oh, um, 
One more thing that this game has in the spell section that's definitely worth addressing is that the 50th level psionic spells, oh. there is one. Yep, just one. Just one spell, but it's all the spell you're ever going to need because it's Wish. Woo! Everyone's favorite spell. It never causes any complications in any game. Or any kind of bad blood or hatred or mistrust or... No, it never makes anyone become super paranoid and just angry at everyone. It doesn't lead to your one extra spurgy glasses-wearing friend who, who writes out a contract and slams it on the table as if... That was a worthwhile use of his time. Oh, yeah, no, none of that ever happens. Yeah, and, and neither does your DM expect him to do that out of rote habit before he just fucks him up the ass with a broom handle. <laughs> oh, man. Our gaming tables were awesome, by the way. Yeah, we, we were really fun folks to game with, by the way. Which one were you, broom handle guy or contract guy? Can't it be both? Yeah, it can be both. <laughs> okay, so this game is no different with Wish than any other game that has a Wish spell in it. It's yeah. bonkers and stupid. And it, it basically encourages fate, which is the DM of this game, to fuck with the players. So to give you a couple things here about, about Wish. Uh, requirements for casting a Wish. Number one, the Wish must be written on a piece of paper using five sentences or less. Okay. No problem. I'm very good with colons and parentheses. Yeah. No problem. I will have subclauses in there. It's a- fine. Absolutely. Sure. It doesn't say anything about numbered lists. Yeah. Number two. The Wish takes 22,500 psionic points to perform. Okay, that's a fucking ton. That's more than most players have or will get, so you have to use some kind of cool ritual to cast a spell. Fine. That's fair. Number three. The same number of psionic points must be used each day, and the same ritual must be performed each day for at least two hours. That's because it takes 45 days to cast this spell. Yay! But that's fine. Great use of in-game time! Hell yeah, it is! Well, I mean, once you've gotten to 50th level and you're basically just... Looking to become a demigod at that point? I mean, why not spend 45 days jerking off and trying to make a wish? Number five, fate must approve the wish. <laughs> well, yeah. I like that that's the step after spend 45 days. You're like, all right, I spent 45 days in-game time. I've spent billions and billions of psionic energy points. Here's my wish. No, fuck you. As a tree demon, what, I, what I'd really like is to find just the right man... <laughs> Look, I just want a place for me and my boyfriend to go where he can perform in live emotion and I can do my pottery. I'm just sick of games, you know? Can I get... That's what I want. That's... 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 No. I disapprove. I disapprove your lifestyle, too. <laughs> Fate disapproves. And number six. It must not exceed the limitations listed below. Of course. So, here we go. Oh, yeah. Here but, we go. Some fun wish limitations. What kind of limitations would they put on a wish? The wish must be for one coherent thing or ability, whatever. I'm no. reading this verbatim. Once again, let me just give you that. That's a line from the book. The wish must be for one coherent thing or ability, whatever. Whatever. Thanks. Thanks for putting a whatever in the limitations section. <laughs> this isn't where you need to get like, meh, do a thing, meh. This is where you're telling me what the limitations are. Actually give me them. I can do something or I can't. I don't know. Whoa, what do I look like? A guy who knows things? I'm just writing the book. So, uh. Also, I like that it has to be coherent. So your wish just can't be. <laughs> <laughs> I wish for rabba dabba rabba dabba. Okay. Sure. Well, all right. <laughs> granted. <laughs> you got it. Okay, um, this does not mean one can cannot wish for a magic item that does three things or for all one's ability scores to be raised. Each of those is considered one thing. And remember that it doesn't then go on to say, yeah, all of your ability scores can only be raised by five. So it, it's just, you could raise all of your ability scores. 
Yes, by how much? Whatever. So if you wanted to go, yes, I raise all of my ability scores by 100. Well, strength, that didn't really matter, but having an extra 100 to your dexterity means you just don't get hit. Right. And and it, it does say it doesn't say how much you can raise your ability scores by with one wish, but it does say that you can only be affected by three wishes. So that's something. If you if you choose to have your uh, your dexterity raised by infinity, you can only do that three times. Yeah. So you know, so, you know watch hey. it there, buddy. Whoa there. Okay. Each of those is considered one thing, but you could not wish for say a magic item and a ton of diamonds, as those are two separate things. Yeah. You could, however, wish for a magic item that creates tons of diamonds, or a magic item that is itself a single one-ton diamond. Yeah. It's a one-ton diamond that grants wishes. That's what I wish for. Fate will rule on whether a wish is one or several. Creative phrasing may help this. Oh, God. Okay, creative phrasing may help this, depending on whether fate is inclined to be liberal or not. Yeah, you know, if if your DM believes that climate change is an actual thing, maybe you'll get away with it. Otherwise, not so much. All right, let's... Here's here's the example they give, and I love this. This is I, this is the reason I marked the page right here. For example, while I wish for a spaceship and a ton of diamonds is clearly out. I mean, clearly, clearly, obvious, uh, obvious. Who who would be so stupid? A wish for a spaceship with a ton of diamonds in its hold might be okay. Why? Why not? I mean, that's clearly one thing. That's a spaceship that contains a ton of diamonds, not a spaceship adjacent to a ton of diamonds. Yeah. What if you were to wish for a spaceship buried under a pile of diamonds? <laughs> what if I were to wish for a spaceship and just said that each room contained ten different magical items because that's what was in that room? Yeah, it's, it's one thing. Yeah, it's just one thing. It's just a spaceship with 50 magic items in it. <laughs> but it, it just might be okay. Generally, if the things being combined are minor, a wisher has a better chance of fate allowing it. Says you, book. You just said it was entirely up to fate's discretion. Yeah. Every time you put this spell out, the first thing you do is tell fate or the DM or whatever to be a dick. They're going to be disinclined to allow anything. Yeah. The rest of the paragraph... Oh, sorry. The basic wish should always be stated in one short sentence. The rest of the paragraph may explain the specifics, like what type of drives and weapons the spaceship should have, the quality of the diamonds, and so forth. I wish for a ton of crappy diamonds. I wish for a ton of diamonds, but just, like, real bad ones. I feel like you're more likely to grant my wish if I say that the diamonds are shitty and covered in shit. Yeah, just, like, yellow crap diamonds that got pissed out by a wear diamond. (laughs) Just pee diamonds. I want a ton of pee diamonds, and I want to traverse their their pissy base. There you go. Okay, and then uh, there's a few more limitations. Would you like to hear even more wish limitations? Oh, boy. We'll go through them real fast. No more than three wishes that, affre- that directly affect you. You may not wish to become an immortal or a god. You may not wish to rise more than ten levels, which is fine, because if you can cast 50 level spells, what were you going to do? Yeah. Cannot wish for anything that exceeds the limitations. See the limitations, chapter two. <laughs> but just the limitations. That's what the sentence says. I mean, yeah, these limitations are, you can't exceed limitations. We're in chapter ten right now, but the wish limitations are in chapter two. I mean, I mean, let's, don't do it. <laughs> damn it. Characters may not wish for unlimited anything. For example, I, w- I wish for unlimited psionic points. Forget it. It cannot be done. All right. I wish for an infinite minus one amount of psionic points. God damn it. Well, well, now you can't not have E. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Or you could just wish for a uh, magic item that generates psionic points at a set rate. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You cannot wish for an extra wish. 
You cannot wish for more than one ton of pure matter. Okay. All right, so that means that you can't get more than a one-ton spaceship. Nope. Which well, is, I mean, it's not pure matter. Uh, parts of it are... Oh, wait, so as long as you wish for more than some matter... Yeah. Then you can have the wish. But if you wish for just some matter, like if you're like, I want a spaceship. I want it to be a 40-ton spaceship made out of carbon polymers and has a big engine in it and lots of laser guns and stuff. Okay, that's cool. I wish for a ton and a half of salmon. No. No. No, that's 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 insane. What's wrong with you? God, get out. You're going to ruin the economy. They cannot wish for more than one ounce of any priceless substance. Vinderit nilabirong. Pure psionics. Ow. I got a one-ounce Vanderit Nalabirung. Look at him, he's gorgeous. <laughs> How'd you get a one-ounce one? He's I, a I, he's a wee baby. Don't you worry. Hey, he's gonna grow up to be a Vanderit one he is. <laughs> I, I like to think that they're. <laughs> I think the baby ones are called Joey's. I, I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're some kind of marsupial, right? Oh, Joey Nalabiron. That's that's going to be my stage name in live emotion. <laughs> Joey Nalabiron. And now go to the stage, Joey Nalabiron. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, pure psionics, god power, god items, and the ability to create spells without using engineering are all things that may not be wished for. Yeah, don't do that shit. Whatever, there you go, that's wishes. Let's get away from wishes. Uh, this is the game, this is when we were finally talking about speed rolls, we can skip right past that. Yeah, and uh, then monsters. We, you have an entire section in the back for monsters, and uh, this is uh, where you're gonna find out all the information from those classes that you know way back in the very beginning of the book. About 350 pages later, now you know what the fuck those things they were talking oh, about. Oh yeah, like when you roll that you're playing as a tree demon or a, or a ice lot. Or a Panther Man. Yeah, this now is, you get to find out what that actually is. Yeah, yeah. this is your final chance to figure out what the hell you are. It's especially good when you roll one of those things that's just a weird made-up sci-fi word. Like, you're making your way through the book in the first place, and you roll your character, and you get, I'm a Dreldemsi. Okay, what is that? I don't know, wait 400 pages and find out! Yeah, it's what Phil Dempsey evolves to over 50,000 years! <laughs> yes, if you use a Thunderstone on Phil Dempsey, then he'll <laughs> evolve. He becomes a Dreldemsey. <laughs> And he no longer has to star in romantic comedies. Yeah, now now he just gets Thundershock. I gotta give the book credit here. The monster section is one of the better parts of the book. There's almost no monsters that you've ever heard of before. Yeah, I mean, at least when he made his stupid made-up planet, he put a bunch of stupid made-up things on there. Yeah, I mean, granted the book's got dwarves and dragons yeah. and hydras, but then it's almost everything else is like nonsense monsters. It's awesome. It's like reading the fourth monster manual in D&D instead of the first. Oh yeah, so, alright. Example of that. You get the Alutripa, which is a thing created by tree demons that were used as weapons of war. It's a giant vampire bat weighing 2,000 pounds, having a wingspan of 45 feet, and possessing more intelligence than the smartest dog. <laughs> Specifically the smartest dog. The smartest dog. dog. You find the smartest dog, it is... At least smarter than that. Oh, yeah, my Which, it, it doesn't give you an upper range. It's like, and dumber than the smartest human. It's just smarter than the smartest dog. That's not a very high bar to get over. Like, once you've gotten past that, you're like, all right, well, is he a genius? Well, what is the smartest dog? Are we, are we talking Benji here or Snowy? Who's La- Lassie? Lassie. All of those are smart. Brian Griffin? 
Who's Snoopy? Who's, who's the smartest dog? Who's the smartest dog? Who's the smartest dog? You are. You are, which means that those bats are smarter than you. <laughs> You're dumb. You're not as smart as a bat. Oh, my dad used to raise Alethrepas. <laughs> I tried to get out of that. It was a family business. It wasn't really for me. Thanks, Tree Demon. Woo! Oh, bored gay Tree Demon. Are, are... <laughs> he, man, 100% favorite character. Really? Even more so than the Vinyard Nalabiro? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the guy who raises the Nalabirongs. <laughs> I figure the Nalabirongs are raised by one surly man named Muldoon. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You see the Nalabirong in front of you, but you don't see the one coming in from the side. <laughs> That's the Vinderit one. <laughs> Vinderit girl. <laughs> So, uh, one of the more famous monsters from this book, one of the things that actually develops some cachet, is a grizzly bear with wings that shoots lasers out of its eyes. Yep, certainly. There's also a polar bear that can that can bear hug you from 100 feet away using its, uh, away using its telekinetic bear hugs. Yep. There's, there's a, a fair amount of, we just took a regular animal and made it have stupid powers. The, he was basically Pokemon before Pokemon existed. Here's a fun one. The Armapine. Armapines appear similar to a cross between an armadillo and a porcupine, only they weigh from 100 to 500 pounds. Here's the picture, which is clearly a old encyclopedia uh, sketch from of a porc or sorry of an armadillo. Yep, that's it. It's just and fucking armadillo. That's all. It says it's a cross between that and a porcupine. There are no spines. Well, they're all on the inside. This is the speedball of of armapines. <laughs> or wait, what do, what do you start going penance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. All the spikes are in there, so he feels alive. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know what? I would buy... If someone said Armapine was a new Pokemon, I'd believe them. I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? I, I want to say Armapine's a terrible name when Porcadillo was available. <laughs> right? Porcadillo is way better than Armapine. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Porcadillo just... That kind of sounds dirty. It sounds like a Sammy Hagar song. That, that, that <laughs> sounds like some British slang, like, gave her the old porcadillo. <laughs> it's got to rhyme with something. Yeah, well, no, British I gave her the porcadillo like... square. <laughs> <laughs> I gave her the old porcadillo square. Yeah, there you go. 100%. Nudge, nudge. So there's a lot of really fun monsters in here. Great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's let's wrap this bad boy up. We made it. We managed to talk about Cinnabar for almost two hours. <laughs> let's let's get to the, fa- the to the great question and answer session. John, what was your favorite part about Cinnabar or the world of Cinnabar, the ultimate in trans genre gaming? City of violence. <laughs> City of violence. <laughs> Terror is never far behind. <laughs> uh <sighs> is. Is it wrong that I want to just say the the gay tree demon is my favorite thing from this book? <laughs> uh, sadly, he's not in there, but but uh, but it, it's not terrible. It's not it's not a bad thing to go with. <laughs> the, honestly, I think one of my favorite things is that tree demons do just randomly show up more than any of his other made up stupid things. It's true, they really do. Like every time he talks about some continent or some weird beast or whatever, tree demons are always involved, and I don't know why. But they just keep showing up, and uh, I think that's awesome. Okay, so you really like tree demons. Yeah, tree demons, 100%. I am on board. You aren't going to go with something like Lord's Guard Hand and the Scarlet Grim Raver? Uh, why? Is that a new metal band that's out now? I don't see why not. It appears to be just an armory lizard man. 
Sweet. Anyway, so, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Your favorite thing is tree demons. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Wear anything. Wear, okay, wear, wear anything. W-E-R-E anything. Yeah, wear storms, the wear mountain, wear winds, wear men. All of this is so goddamn annoying. Uh, if it was one thing that he had fucked up on, if he was like, and the world is covered in a wear storm, I'd be like, you don't know what that means, but all right, whatever. But he just kept using it, and I'm like, you'd think if you were going to make that a prefix that you were oddly obsessed with, you'd figure out what it means. Or get a different one. Like, make up a fan. He's pretty good at making up fantasy words. Yeah. Well, why not just keep doing that? You, you, don't, you could call them the devil wins instead of the wear wins. Whatever. Okay, yeah. So, okay. your favorite thing oh, in here. Before we... I want to touch on your favorite thing real quick. I, just I know you do. I, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> Look, like I said, I'm not even trying to go there. I just... I just want to live on the Enchanted Continent. <laughs> uh, okay, so Tree Demons. I just opened their monster page. Hell yeah. So we can finally learn what these little bastards are. Uh, they weigh between 150 and 250 pounds. All right, so they're dudes. They're dudes. They stand between three and five feet tall, so they're short squat dudes. Right. Great. They are not true demons, despite their name. So don't listen to whatever your pastor told you. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be a tree demon. There is love, and there is safety. <laughs> This is a safe place. <laughs> okay. They are humanoid with large ears and eyes and dark red fur. All right. All right, so they're just short, squat, red, furry little Ewoky dudes. They're like the... They're basically just red Ewoks. Yeah, they're, they're red Ewoks. All right. That's what that's my the name. The Red Ewoks. Incidentally, however. incidentally, Red Ewoks is my name for for live emotion. I'm always like, "You dummy, I'm coming, Elizabeth." <laughs> oh, yum yum. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. My favorite thing. I really like the uh, section on monsters. I think he did a great job writing a lot of really interesting monsters. And uh, I also really like the world building. So I think I'll just make that the whole thing, because monsters are a part of the world building. I think he did an, a really great job of coming up with a bizarre, stupid world that does not resemble any other thing ever. It's like, it, it, it's, he, he, like I said in the yes, first podcast. Yes, he certainly did a good job of making a terrible, stupid place. I, I, okay, I love riffs. Yeah. Love it. And it's stupid as hell. It is. Yeah. This is the, uh, this is that. This is the same thing. You can see that spark of mad 80s coke fueled genius. On every page of this book. It didn't add up to anything um, coherent, but goddamn, the artistic process you can see is is incredible. Alright, so, least favorite thing in the book, then. Least favorite thing in the book is going to be character creation. It doesn't work. It's, no. it's non-functional. There's all these things you have to roll, like, 520s to get. Oh, yeah, no. There's so much crap in there that's just like, what is this? Oh, it's gated behind the chance to do this is, like, 1 in 5,000. There's a lot of that. There's Oh, it, the wish spell had and ended on that note. We, we gave up on the wish page and moved along, but the last thing on the wish page is 1 in 100 billion players should learn the wish spell. Yeah. Okay. Great. Why did you devote, like, a page and a half of resources to talking about something that is a 1 in 100 billion chance? What, that's that's literally no one on our current Earth would have learned the wish spell. Okay, granted they well, didn't. I mean, come on. Right, okay, never mind. You got it. You well, got. I mean, I think one person did, and I'm pretty sure it's Stanley Tucci, and that's how he became the, the God, God of Ninjas on Cinnabar. Yeah, that's what I would wish for, right? I, oh, I, yeah. I wish. Well, no, you well, can't. Yeah, I would wish to be Stanley Tucci. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can do that, but you can't wish to be a god. So he had to be to just be a really great ninja and then earn godhood on his own later. Well, yeah. I mean, he was yeah. already high enough level. He just gained yeah. ten levels from the wish spell, and then <laughs> there we go. Right, so there okay. you go. Least favorite thing is that the book devotes a lot of space to stuff that's gated behind impossible walls. Okay. Fair enough. Including a literal section 
where things are gated behind a literal impossible wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Yeah. For the game. Okay, great. So, uh, would you play the world of Cinnabar? Uh, City Miles. Yes. You, you play this game? I would feel real bad doing it, but... Yeah, I'd have to. What if... Here's here's my... Okay, fair enough. I, I, I agree with that. It, I would also play yeah. it. I would play Cinnabar, but here's my stipulation. I want Raven C.S. McCracken to run it. Oh, yeah. Because no one else knows what the shit any of this is. You could read this book three... Like I said in the first part, you can't hold this in your head. No, there's too much stuff in here. To actually remember everything that's going on. If you're if you're the fate, if you're the DM of Cinnabar and you're not Raven C.S. McCracken, you're going to go out like scanners. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you are going to have just a complete breakdown trying to do this. Your head's going to pop like one of those slow-motion videos of a bullet going through a pomegranate. It's going to be gross and it's going to get all over the table, but I think Raven C.S. McCracken could run the game and then I'd play it, where he was like, oh no, you can't do that because on page 142 it mentions the limitations, which are in chapter 2 on page 18, and one of those limitations is that 6% of your strength cannot be used for the purposes of running. Be like, okay, I'm glad you remember, buddy. That's good. All right, I'll trust you. Yeah, so I'm all right with with, uh, playing this game if Raven C.S. McCracken ran it for me. Otherwise, I, I am fine with liberally stealing from its amazing ideas to put into other games. Yeah, so, Raven C.S. McCracken, if you are listening to us after two hours of making fun of your game, please run a game for us. You know what? I've read a bunch of reviews of this, and we've been nicer to this game than anyone. Oh, that's probably true, because we love stupid bullshit, and this is wall-to-wall stupid bullshit. 100%. We love this game. We love you, buddy. You're a great writer, <laughs> Raven C.S. Never stop. Never, ever stop. I'm Just, sure he's probably got... 20,000 of these little books just filled with tiny writing filling every crevice of the book. Keep buying Gladiuses for yourself, buddy. <laughs> you glorious punk rock Crispin Glover looking motherfucker. I love you. There it is. So, uh, yeah, anything else you want to say? Nope. I think that jolly well covers it. Great. So this has been System Mastery, the podcast, where you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com. You can also find us at System Mastery in your choice of Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever fine products are sold, etc. Yes. Yeah. So, and you can always just leave a comment directly below. If there's any particular podcast you would like to hear us do, if there's a game that you would like us to review, if you uh, disagree with our review of Cinnabar, or if you agree and want to have your own comment on Cinnabar, please leave it there. Great. I'm going to end this run on exit and leave. Goodbye. Goodbye.